Welcome to Academic Medicine Leadership Lessons, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we speak to leaders in academic family medicine about a variety of leadership topics. During the early months of COVID-19, we pivoted to share stories of how family medicine led the way during lockdowns, surges, and a nation facing great uncertainty. We recorded this episode about one residency's move to online education back in June, but we didn't have a chance to release it. Today, we feel that the optimism and intentionality that Dr. Keltz expresses is particularly helpful as we all receive feedback on our own online education efforts. Dr. Keltz, it's great to meet you. Very nice to meet you. So before we uh, get started with the interview proper, I'm very interested in online education, and we saw that you had mentioned somewhere, probably in STFM Connect, that you moved to 100% virtual. On top of that, I have also noted that you are currently located in New York. Is that correct? Yes. We're in Elmira, New York, which is in the Southern Tier, just south of the Finger Lakes. Um, We're in a small rural community hospital. We have several residency programs that are here, including family medicine, of course. And our hospital is, oh, what is it, like a 250-bed hospital, I think. And our family medicine program is an 888 residency program that is opposed. Okay. So when all of this happened, because we were in New York, we got hit with a lot of the sanctions and everything right away because of what was happening down in the city. And luckily it wasn't up here yet, but of course, like most of the nation, we wanted to make sure that we were trying to stay on top of it and hopefully we wouldn't have a surge, but if a surge happened, what would we do? And so pretty much immediately when the lockdown happened, my program director and I, um, oh, I didn't mention, I'm the associate program director, kind of met up and we're like, all right, we got to change everything as fast as we can. Our didactics, the way it works at our program is we usually have a didactic day So Thursdays is our day, um, where from nine to one, we have a block of didactics where our residents have protected time away from all of their rotations, unless they're on night float or on ICU. Otherwise, they are able to come to didactics and don't have any other clinical responsibilities. And we normally meet in the hospital conference room to have the didactics. That way, people who are working in the hospital can easily get there. So, of course, when this happened, one of the things that had to change is no one goes in the hospital unless absolutely necessary. And everywhere in the hospital that wasn't patient care related got shut down. So we switched over to Zoom. Um, That was the platform that uh, was chosen and seems to have worked. I'm actually managing the Zoom didactics right now as the host to let people in. But we switched full to Zoom. And so... The way our didactics were scheduled is our program director does board review for an hour, and then we have a specialty lecture, and then we have a core lecture, and then we have grand rounds. So we essentially just moved everything onto the Zoom platform. And my program director is middle-aged, and he was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? But he can figure out most technology. I am young, but I really suck at technology. So actually me trying to figure out, I think, took longer than him. But we switched everything to Zoom right away. A few of our lectures that were scheduled had to be canceled because we weren't able to convert them very well to um, the virtual platform and or the people who are doing it were not comfortable with it. So we, of course, filled in and did a few extra primary care lectures, which wasn't a big deal. Um, And now my residents love it. I know one of the questions was how have the residents adapted and how do they like some of these things? So I actually was just polling them before this started and asking them their opinion because I had had some residents come to me going, you know, 
life is crazy and this is horrible, but I'm loving our didactics now and I think it's better. And I did a quick poll and everyone has essentially told me the same thing. They love the Zoom didactics. They find there's actually better learning because they're able to concentrate better from whatever area they are in. And they think that there's actually more participation in board review and in asking questions from Zoom didactics, which was very shocking to me personally. The only thing they miss is the camaraderie. Because of course, most people are not together unless they're on the inpatient team and then they're all kind of still sitting in a room together, um, but logged on to separate devices. Uh, most of them, one of my residents actually put it perfectly, had said he felt like our didactics were like coming home. And, and now I want to find that quote because it was great. He says, our weekly didactic meetings were like a homecoming, like church, an opportunity for fellowship and team building. And I had a few other residents mention something similar, saying that I love the Zoom didactics. I feel I have better learning, but I miss being able to see my fellow residents on a regular basis because they are on so many different rotations. They don't always get to actually all come together and see each other. So the one resident who said it was like a homecoming, I think, put it perfectly where that is the thing they actually miss. They think the didactics themselves are better online, but they miss the camaraderie that they're not getting right now. In terms of adaption for other rotations and curricula, the other thing we had to do right away was because family medicine, we are in so many places, residents often go from clinic to hospital or hospital to clinic. And to help decrease the spread of germs, we had to change a lot of our rotations. Plus, a lot of the rotations were not allowing residents due to the pandemic. So we had to change a lot of learning that way and using other resources to make sure our residents were getting the information and the education they needed in all of the different areas. And for the most part, the residents have said that they don't feel their education has been like not less, but just very different. And they're learning a lot of life lessons. That was the other thing that the resident said. This is very life-changing just because they're having to realize how adaptable and real life all of this is. And it doesn't matter if you're in residency or in practice, everyone has had to have a similar type of adaption to some. So, you know, I've been hearing a lot from from different people about the the switch to producing online education just rapidly, so fast. As someone who's done online education now for a number of years, I've seen a lot of resistance in the past to some online education concepts. Some people would just prefer to be with others. So I, first of all, I find the just the rapid adoption of online uh, didactics uh, across the board just really wonderful. It's very encouraging. But I'm also really encouraged by the fact that you know, you've mentioned some of the technology hurdles your program director, uh, yourself, both of you had to basically take on something that is outside of your comfort zone and thrive with it. Can you can you tell me a little bit about how you overcame some of those technological hurdles and, and just really made this a part of your, your teaching? In terms of the hurdles, I think it was a little bit of a team effort. So my program director figured some of it out right away, and we have an amazing clinical coordinator, actually, who was the one who had said, all right, we can flip over to Zoom. We've used Zoom before, because luckily, we've had some online didactics. It just was not our norm. Because we are a small community hospital, some of our didactics are through 
University of Rochester up north. And then some of them are also through our affiliated medical school, LECOM. So when they give us grand round lectures, we actually were using Zoom as one of our platforms. So the clinical coordinator actually had experience with it versus the program director. And I just go, huh? Video something? So she kind of showed us the very basics. He picked it up actually pretty easily just by doing some research. And I have a wonderful technological husband who's also a physician who's like, babe, it's easy. Just click this button. So a lot of it was just realizing that no matter how we felt, this is something we had to do for our residents. And so talking to anyone who had any experience, I think, was one of the things and being humble enough to get that information from anyone who would give it to us was the other because honestly it was our coordinator I think who was teaching us everything Um, and she was the one who was managing all the zoom she would set it up she would send out the link Um, she would then share the host and be like you have to do this you have to let people in Um, which is why I actually got dinged a little bit ago because I wasn't paying attention and not letting someone in so I think part of it is just the humbling fact of realizing it's okay to accept help from any resource and then just going with the flow, which of course always puts a lot of people out of their comfort zone. And I think for doctors in particular, we are very okay with adapting in certain situations when it comes to patient care, but I'm really not good at adapting when it changes the flow of my day. (laughs) And this is definitely something that changed the flow of my day, but the new normal has actually been kind of nice. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I I also love the fact that we've moved from philosophy and theorizing about online education to simply doing it. Yes, there's been a lot. I feel like there's been a lot of experimentation and realizing that, you know what, we're just going to do this and what works works and what doesn't doesn't and we'll learn from it and move on. The whole uh, try, try again. If you fall, it's all right. Do it a different way. (laughs) Yes. Amen to that. So moving forward, how do you anticipate the fall going in terms of, you know, will you maintain this sort of new normal or will you have to create a different type of curriculum? So we actually have been talking about that. And I think our new normal right now is going to continue for quite some time, especially because we're in the state of New York. And even though we're in upstate where luckily for us, it has plateaued and we are not having as many new cases, I think it's as a state, the state is not going to reopen the same way many other states have. Right. And we can see that very much because we're close to the Pennsylvania border and like they, everything is open, no masks, everything is great here. Yeah. We're in like a half phase two where masks are very much required and you still don't go out really unless you need to, but people are starting to go out. So our plan right now is didactics are going to stay the way they are with the Zoom virtual platform, at least for the foreseeable future. And I have a feeling that it may stay this way longer than anticipated, partially because the residents are getting more out of it. And and the new normal later may be having virtual didactics on a somewhat regular basis. I'm curious if we actually ever go back to the way it was, to be honest. When it comes to curriculum and how those things are changing, certain things are going back towards normal, while others are not. So, for instance, we changed a bunch of our rotations so that the residents were not having to go from the hospital setting to the clinic setting. 
because we were concerned that the hospital germs were more dangerous and then coming into the clinic and then spreading those germs. I feel like that will probably continue again until we have a better idea of a, a second wave is coming or if this comes back in the fall and winter. So I suspect it will happen for a while where our residents who are on the inpatient family medicine service or inpatient pediatrics or anything like that will not go around on their patients in the morning on their clinic day. Instead, they will just come to clinic so that there's less spreading and moving of germs. I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. The rotations that have been shut down because of this, like our geriatrics rotation, the residents were not allowed in the nursing facility for some time. That should be resuming in the near future. Now that we've been able to test a little bit more, and for a different reason, we've actually had to revamp our entire geriatrics rotation and bring it in-house. Sports medicine is another rotation where our residents do it actually up north in Rochester and around the state with a sports medicine doctor, and she had to stop taking residents for a period of time due to, again, travel restrictions, travel bans, and her clinic shutting down. And that is actually restarting. So our residents are going to start being able to travel, but with very specific travel instructions, because we still have a travel ban on us. It's not as strict as it was. And again, I suspect that we're going to continue having a travel ban to a certain extent for the foreseeable future until anyone knows what happens in the fall. <laughs> but yeah, the changing of the curriculum and, and getting resources has really been a huge difficulty because trying to create more online resources is difficult in itself. And then trying to find the resources that are vetted that you can use without paying a large exorbitant amount of money is even harder <laughs> is what we found. Right. Yeah, that's a, a huge challenge. I was actually going to ask you, how are you evaluating your own curriculum or your own didactics? Is it right afterwards or are you just open to feedback at all times? So we do, um, we have a very open door policy in our residency. One of the things I love about my program director is he, he quoted this to me when I actually first interviewed for a job out here. He said, staying stagnant is falling behind. So one of our mottos is never just to do things the way they are because it's the way we do things. We have a very open door policy where our residents can let us know what is going well and what is not going well anytime they encounter things. But like all other programs, we also have the program evaluation committee and we meet on a quarterly basis, have a set number of um, rotations that we evaluate from each year of residency so that we cover all rotations and their curriculums associated with it throughout the year. And sometimes things get moved up and we have to come back to it due to changes we've made. So for this, it's been more like in the moment feedback because quarterly isn't enough since this all happened within a quarter. We've been asking residents for constant feedback and also just asking them to be patient with us while we try to adapt and change things because some of it is we've had to rely on um, like ABFM and their resources with the um, uh, knowledge self-assessments and using that as a tool because it is something not free, but something that all of my residents have access to because they have to take the boards and so in that respect, it's already paid for and using that as a platform to say, okay, there was already this knowledge assessment created. We're going to use this as a supplemental educational platform and same with AAFP 
and their journal articles and their questions. This is something you already have access to. We're now going to ask you to do these specific things in order to help boost your curriculum because you're not getting as much in-person education through, through clinicals. And then some platforms have been free for a short period of time. So like STFM opened up the Family Medicine Residency Curriculum Resource which I love. I actually got to write for that when I was a resident and tried to convince my current program to buy it, but there's no money. So we never got to buy it. So we got to use it for a little bit while it was free. And then Rosh Review too, they made that free for, I think like two months. And so we hopped on that bandwagon (laughs) to use their questions and modules. And it's been, I don't know, crazy, difficult, weird. Oh yes. All of the above. Yeah. I, I it's, I'm really glad to hear that you found resources that are valuable you know, we often spend a lot of time thinking about, will this work? Will that work? Maybe we should do it this way. Maybe we should do it that way. But we don't really often have the time or the luxury to do that, especially right now. So yeah, to hear that there's there's constant feedback mechanisms in place and that there are resources that are available to you is really encouraging. So, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, the fall, how will things change? This isn't quite related to didactics, but how are you um, handling medical students who are wanting to attend your residency, to come to your residency? So that actually, that reminded me, I got off track. So um, I think everyone, maybe not everyone, most people are probably doing this because the ACGME has actually now recommended it. We're going to be doing Zoom interviews, actually, for application this year with all the medical students, which... That's another barrier where we're like, okay, how are we going to do that? Are we going to do a group interview now because it's via Zoom? But all of the three of us who usually do our interviews, we ask very different questions, partially because we all have kind of found our niche in the interview process. And we're like, okay, are we going to do that? Because that will change the dynamics of how an interview would go. And I think what we decided is instead what we're going to do is have three separate computers in three separate offices or four, I guess, and have each attending and a resident in each office and then rotate so that we can still have a private interview without making the poor applicant log on to different Zoom encounters. And then we're just going to move rooms and round robin. So instead of the, re- instead of the interviewee moving rooms, we're going to move rooms. And we're actually going to bring in one of the residents into the interview process starting this year because normally what we do is we have a dinner the night before the interview where the applicants get to meet our residents and get to ask them you know all the ooey gooey questions away from the faculty and to get the real scoop and we want the applicants still to be able to do that because honestly i think our strength to our residency isn't the faculty it's our residents they're fantastic So our way around this is going to be bringing in the residents to the interview so they can still have some interaction um, with that. And even with our new residents, our new interns that joined, we did a Zoom meet and greet a couple weeks ago with all the faculty, all the current residents and all the new residents, which was really weird, (laughs) but very cool. And in terms of students coming to rotate with us and do auditions, because that's the other part that is very big. And um, a lot of places will say, oh, well, family medicine doesn't have to do auditions. For some people, it's very useful because you get to really know that program more. Our institution is still allowing it. So we're not taking students for the very beginning part of the academic year. 
Um, but we're going to start taking auditioners come August, hoping that by that time, most of the country has kind of gone through a peak and a plateau. And then we've got a process set up for students coming in so that they can actually get tested ahead of time. And then again, we're going to make it where they can't go between hospital and clinic in the same day, but try to have them just kind of be in one place, but still get to interact. And that's even true for our students here, because we have a regional campus here for LECOM medical students, who this is their home campus. And they go from here to other places for auditions. Fourth year and third year, they're just here. And we've kind of changed their rotations even to make sure there's only one student on at a time to help with social distancing, though you can't social distance in small rooms, but to at least decrease the number of bodies in a room. So we've shuffled their rotations and they've even gotten a lot more online curriculum for their third and fourth year clinicals than normal. So, but yeah, the, the audition, it's going to be interesting. I think, I know some programs are trying to do virtual rotations and that was actually brought up to us by one of the residencies that sends their residents here for their pediatric rotation. And we haven't quite figured out if that can work and how that would work, but it's been brought up for medical students also. Could we do something along those lines? But we have not delved into that yet since right now we're allowing students. Okay. Well, we've been talking for a while now about about all these these different topics. I wanted to give you the opportunity. Do you have anything you'd like to share about either doing online didactics or uh, any advice you would have for people listening with regards to interview season or bringing medical students in? I think the biggest thing that everything that happened has happened is teaching us is that we have to be adaptable and flexible and humble and be willing to move with change and do what is needed so that we can still produce and help educate the next generation of physicians. And whatever that means is what we need to do. I don't think there's one way to do it, obviously. And by no means did we do it the right way. But I think being willing to be humble and take advice and look for other places and know that you don't have the right answer all the time was one of the reasons why I think we have been at least partially successful in converting things so quickly and making it work. Because the second all the shutdown stuff happened, we essentially moved everything within a week and just changed it. And I think that's just because we were willing to accept the fact that this needs to happen to protect our residents while still making sure that they will get the learning they need. And I think for, you know, moving for the future for interviews. However, we can all still keep that personal aspect, I think is going to be very important. We always say in family medicine, we're different. Or at least I always say that. Where family medicine, we don't, we don't look at a score. We look at a person. And I think with everything going virtual, we need to keep that in mind because you can lose some of that personal touch by not being face-to-face with someone, even though you're face-to-face with someone. It's a different type of interaction. And with residency and everything becoming more competitive and everything changing, I'm going to hope that family medicine uh, programs keep that ideal of it's not all about the score and it's not all about the application. It's about the person you're getting and what kind of physician will they be. 
and how will they help the community? And if we can keep that in mind and still really look at that application, but beyond the initial like pretty front and then really still be able to connect with that person virtually, I think that would be pretty cool to see how that happens. But I think just keeping in mind that we're going to have to adapt again on how do we evaluate people and it's not just how they interact with us, that will, that will be interesting. And, and I hope we all remember that it's not all about the numbers and the, and the application. It's about the person in front of you. Yeah, that is the theme I have heard over and over again from those who are facing lockdown, finding themselves either in isolation or needing to to do remote visits or telehealth. It's all been about maintaining that human connection. It's been, I think, one of the one of the most encouraging things to have come out of all of this just has been our realization that this is the most important thing we have is our humanity with each other. Most definitely. So, Dr. Kelts, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your experiences with us. It's really been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Brian. Take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Academic Medicine Leadership Lessons. You can access all of our episodes at stfm.org slash podcasts or subscribe to any of the major podcast providers, such as iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. 